Do your chickens suffer from rusting beak face? Well, we have a cure for that. Grubly Farms Grublies. Grublies are a delicious snack with benefits. Grublies have 50% more calcium than mealworms, promoting stronger eggshells and flashier feathers. And who doesn't love a Grublies happy hour? Just grab yourself a beverage, throw your hens and roost some Grublies, and relax while you get to watch chicken TV. And make sure that you order your Grubly Farms Grublies today, and you can save 15% on your first order using code FARM15 at grublyfarms.com. Sam. Oh, hey, Bev. What you got over there? So I just opened a Great Lakes Christmas ale. Oh, what? (laughs) Well, we just got back from a trip to Cleveland, and I really wanted to drink one of the breweries that we went to while we were there because we just went to two. And of course, like I checked my fridge and I don't have any Market Garden Brewery, which is uh, the brewery that I spent most of the day at on Friday. And all I had from Great Lakes is this Christmas beer. So oh I was goodness. like, well, I'm going to go with it, mostly because I just want to tell a really short story about Market Garden. OK. <laughs> so we're there at the brewery, and I'm looking at their logo. And I'm like, what is that logo? Like, is that Adonis or something? Like some sort of Greek god? I'm trying to figure out like what the deal is with it. And Jared's like, oh, we can ask them. And we never did. I totally forgot. But then as we're leaving Cleveland and driving out of the city, we're driving across this bridge and the logo is the statues on the bridge. And it was so cool because it was like these giant Greek god looking like statues and they're all holding different forms of transportation, I guess. Hmm. It's called the Hope Memorial Bridge. And what the statues are is they are the guardians of traffic. So I guess Market Garden's uh, logo is the guardian of beer traffic. I don't know. (laughs) But I thought it was really cool. (laughs) Guardian of beer traffic. (laughs) (laughs) So now I got, so I got to go to Great Lakes and I got to go to Market Garden. So it was really cool to get to go have some city local beer so what'd you open over there so i opened a dogfish head namaste white which Mm. is a belgium style white ale brewed with dried orange flesh and peel fresh cut lemongrass a bit of coriander peppercorns and a generous dose of good karma yum it is pretty good it's very uh like it's it's like a beer that's good to drink in the winter, but it's not like super heavy or overly wintry theme like a Christmas ale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm doing like Christmas in the end of February, which is just not correct. But the beer's actually still pretty good. So <laughs> that's good. That's really all that matters at the end of the day is that the beer is good. Uh, yeah, it really is. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the Farm Comedy Podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community, from hobby farmers to large-scale real-deal farmers. 
We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and the new knowledge we gain, so hopefully you don't feel so alone in this farm thing. And sometimes we go off on non-farming related tangents, but we cut a lot of those and stick them up on our Patreon. And this week's episode outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps, so go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. We also have some fun things in there, like exclusive recordings and pictures, and it's an excellent way to support the podcast starting at $2 a month. Speaking of the Patreon, our drink peep this episode is at EGF Brahma Mama, which is our friend Elise Ferguson. So cheers, lady. Cheers. So I have a little bit of follow-up this week, and I guess it's kind of a follow-up and a corrections corner. (laughs) I like a good hybrid. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) in episode 99, we talked about growing microgreens, and I was experimenting with reusing the soil from my first tray of microgreens for my second tray of microgreens. And that's failed so spectacularly. Like, it could not have been any worse (laughs) because it molded. (laughs) Aw, dang it. That's so disappointing. Yeah, it really was. And it was super gross, too, because so I've got, like, my growing area set up in my office. So I've been working in my office with these things for, like, seven days now. They were ready to be harvested by the time I realized that it was mold. But there was this, like, really awful farty smell coming from (laughs) over there. (laughs) And I just told myself, eh, it's arugula. You know, arugula is a little peppery. So maybe this arugula is also, like, a little peppery and a little funky smelling, like, while it grows. (laughs) (laughs) but it smells like fart and i'm gonna put it in my mouth later so it's fine (laughs) pretty much yeah (laughs) like it only smells like fart while it's growing not while you're eating it so (laughs) i'll take your word for it (laughs) but jared was not taking my word for it jared's like no there is something wrong over there and you need to do something about it because your office is right next to our front door and when people come inside all they can smell is your stinky farty greens So I picked up the tray. I was going to just move them. I was like, eh, they're harvestable. I'll just go ahead and harvest them, like, just a tad early, and we'll still get to eat them. And I pick up the tray, and I look down at it, and I'm like, oh, no wonder this thing stinks. It's (laughs) covered in, like, all of this, like, funky, fuzzy mold. I'm like, oh, darn it. So I guess that means that my experiment with the reusing the soil did not work so well. So I pitched them in the compost pile. I shared it to our Drink and Farm story, mostly because we had just released that episode, so I wanted people to know, like, not to do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then also, uh, funnily enough, it was Elise Ferguson, our drink peep this episode. She wrote me a message, and she's like, hey, uh, if you put a fan on it, that might help keep it dry enough at the surface that it doesn't oh. mold. Because, you know, the reason why I thought reusing the soil would work is because the harvest time is so fast that right. it has a chance uh, or it doesn't have the chance for the like stems to start decomposing. Because that's what will happen once you mm. cut the plants. There's no green leaves anymore. So there's nothing to photosynthesize. So those original stems start to die. And so I knew that those would eventually like compost and break down, which could probably cause a little bit of a stink, but not in seven to nine days, I didn't think. So it's probably a combination of being too wet, being too still, and the breaking down of the previous stems. But 
Now that I'm looking at the trays, I was like, you were being really silly for trying to save like, what, a dollar in soil (laughs) by reusing it. (laughs) So I'll be using fresh soil from now on. I'm not going to try that fan thing. But I am going to put the fan thing up when I start my seedlings because I do usually end up with like a handful of plants that end up going to the mold. But I think that uh, I think that a little fan will help with that. And it also create really strong seedlings, too, because they get to pretend like they're in wind. So they have to like keep themselves still. And I'm bobbing my head like I'm a seedling in the wind right now. <laughs> it's like your seedlings will have a personal trainer. Pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's it for follow-up slash corrections. And we can just dive right into this week's episode. Let's do it. I'll let you kind of introduce this since it was your idea. And it's kind of a funny story. So Jared and I were hanging out at this restaurant in Chagrin Falls, and I can't really remember what exactly brought up this topic, but we started talking about what we wanted to do for our barn square, because it's something that we've discussed and thought about since we moved to a farm, but we haven't actually put anything down. And now we're coming up on what, our fourth summer. So it seems kind of crazy that our barn still does not have a barn square on it or a quilt square. But you might be asking yourself, what the F is a barn quilt? Because I had no idea. So I was like, is Bev actually a quilter? And this is new information because we were just talking about how we're still learning things about each other. But No, it's actually a fun painting that you can put on your barn that looks like a quilt, like a square of a quilt. So it's actually pretty colorful and kind of neat. And it's really funny that you had no idea what it was because I had always thought that barn quilts were like, I don't know, some sort of like quintessential Mm -hmm. farm thing like that's been around for like hundreds of years. So when you didn't know like what it was, I was like, oh, (laughs) wait, (laughs) what? maybe this is something, you know, like strange. And so we decided to Google like the history of barn quilts. And I was looking at some like past quilt patterns because we're, that's what we were trying to do. We're trying to design our, our barn quilt. And then I realized that the very first barn quilt square was actually done in Ohio and I'm like oh hey that's pretty cool and then when I saw when barn quilt started I was like Sam and I have to discuss this because I can't be the only person that was super confused about this (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you texted me and I was like this sounds boring af like no and then I was like wait like I don't actually know enough about this to say to like crap all over it so let me google it (laughs) and then I was like okay that's pretty cool like that makes sense for us to talk about it but it's like thinking around like where I grew up and how many barns there are I never saw one and we were just up there uh like a couple weeks ago and I still don't think it's like real popular at least around where I grew up or like on my drive to my parents, which there's a lot of farms you drive by. So this is, I you know, a, a relatively newer concept in the grand scheme of people having barns. Yeah. And it turns out that the reason why I always associated barn quilts with barns and also like farming just in general is because the idea of barn quilts was brought about 
by a woman named Donna Sue Groves, and she's from Manchester, Ohio, which is Adams County. That's just a hop, skip, and a jump from where I'm at in Ohio. So when I came here to visit Jared's parents and we drove home, you know, from the city, there are barn quilts all over the place out here. And it's because they started in Ohio. (laughs) That makes so much more sense now. (laughs) Doesn't it? Well, and what's funny is I've driven across the country and I did not notice the lack of barn quilts in other places. Mm -hmm. So that just goes to show like, how well I pay attention on cross-country drives. (laughs) (laughs) But the idea actually came about because Donna Sue's mom was an avid quilter and she promised her that she would brighten up her barn by adding a quilt square to it. And so it became a project to memorialize her mom. But it took her a few years to actually put it into place. I guess she first, she says that she first thought of it like somewhere in the early 1990s. But the very first barn quilt went up in 2001. And when I saw that, I was like, wait, they mean like 1801, right? <laughs> nope. 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 Super new. <laughs> this is super new farm history. <laughs> And I really like uh, the way that this barn quilt thing has sort of uh, evolved in Ohio, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, so instead of just actually putting one barn quilt up, she and a group of artists in Adams County actually put together a group of 20 barn quilt squares and made it into a barn quilt trail so that tourists would have something else to do when they visited Adams County, Ohio. And I guess she picked the number 20 because she says that that's the number of squares in a typical bedspread. I can't confirm that. I'm not a quilter, so I have no idea. I'm not either, but the theory sounds nice, so we'll just go with it. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. It does. It sounds really fun. So according to our research, they got a a committee of volunteers who worked together to plan the trail and to formulate guidelines as to how the project would be managed. And a bunch of barn owners signed on and the work began. And fun fact, the first quilt square on the American Quilt Trail does not hang at the Groves Farm, which is the original, like, mastermind behind it. The Ohio Star is first and was painted by local artists and installed on a building at a greenhouse nearby a location that allowed a public celebration of the inauguration of the quilt trail. And the Snails Trail Quilt Square was later painted by an artist and mounted on the barn where Donna Sue and Maxine Groves reside. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. Have you seen the pictures of the Ohio Star and the snail? I did. They're very pretty. They really are. And the Ohio Star, I was like, oh, that's crazy. That's the very first barn quilt. Like, how did I not know that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you do. Yes. And it's funny. It turns out that they actually inspired a ton of new barn quilts to pop up like right away. So over in Brown County, which is a neighboring county to Adams, they started their own project pretty much right away. And for several years, Donna Sue has been working with other organizations in Ohio and Tennessee to put together new trails. So this is something 
that has rapidly been growing. And in fact, I didn't end up citing this site while we were doing our research, but there is a site and I'll see if I can find it again so I can put it in the show notes. In her uh, article, she says that there are like hundreds of these barn quilt trails in like tons of different states. And she actually has a list of all of them. So if you want to go see a barn quilt trail, chances are there's one at least semi near you or maybe on the way to your next vacation or something. Like, I don't know if I'd make it like a main destination of a vacation, but I'm also not a quilter. So So quilt trails are created by quilt guilds, civic groups, local art councils, 4-H clubs, basically anybody that wants to do this can. Um, Most are a county-wide effort, which allows for a district trail in a single area and creates local pride in the project. And kind of what Bev mentioned before, um, this has spread to 48 states and it's actually in Canada as well, so the trail continues to grow. And there are over 7,000 quilts that are part of organized trails, and dozens more are scattered through the countryside waiting to be discovered. So it's kind of like some of them are like, where's Waldo? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe that does sound like a fun vacation, like go to try to see all of the barn quilt squares. (laughs) Um, I would pass. Maybe if there were lots of breweries on the way. Oh, yeah, then I would definitely go. Barn quilts and breweries. Someone get on that trail. Barn quilts and beer. (laughs) Love it. And it was really funny. In this article, um, they actually, they had interviewed Donna Sue, which was the original artist who conceptualized barn quilts. And she said, I'm often told that barn quilts must be part of the wonderful Amish quilting heritage (laughs) or that they came to America from some European tradition, which... I totally thought was the case. Yeah, I would have thought that too. Right. And although both of those theories are interesting and have been published from time to time, they're just not based in fact. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we know that that's true because someone has done some research and apparently no one has been able to document the location of a painted quilt square that existed prior to the Ohio Star that was painted in Adams County, Ohio in 2001. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) That's so cool. So if you're listening and you know different, let us know and we'll crush everyone's dreams. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just think it's cool that uh, while the barn quilts are technically, you know, a modern phenomenon, it's not unusual for families to choose a barn quilt pattern from a quilt that's been passed down through generations of their family. So I think that's really cool that they're taking like history and, you know, applying it to something that's kind of newer, that's outward facing that everyone can enjoy. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering if maybe that's why I always thought it was something really old because of the quilt patterns. Because, you know, I've seen quilts passed down through generations of family, and I have some family that does quilts, so I've seen some, like, classic quilt patterns. And I feel like those are a lot of what you end up seeing on the quilt barns. And so normally quilt barn squares are also pretty weathered. So I think that was another reason why I thought that they were just really, really old. (laughs) But it turns out they just must not know how to use polyurethane or the weather like, you know, cuts through it anyways. 
Back on a Saturday morning in July of 2015, Tina's family gathered around the family dog and opened a subscription box they ordered full of treats and toys. Later that day, her eight-year-old daughter asked, wouldn't it be cool if our chickens got their own box of treats? That question stuck with Tina, and after some research, Honey and Roo was launched, or should I say hatched, in October 2015. Henny and Roo boxes make the perfect gift for you or the chicken keeper in your life. Each box includes poultry first aid items, a few other chicken surprises like treats and other things to make your chicken keeping easier. And there's always a gift or two for you, the chicken keeper. With each item being carefully selected by a chicken keeper and her family, you can feel good about being sent items that you and your flock will love. So go to honeyandrew.com and use code DRINKANDFARM at checkout to get 10% off your first subscription box today. So there's a couple of ways you can make a barn quilt. You can do it the way that a lot of them were originally made, which was painting on plywood and mounting them on a wooden frame, which is probably why so many of them look worn out. Yeah. Um, you also have the option of using modern density overlay signboard which is now the preferred material, but you can also to use that, um, or you can also create one on metal. Um, and what you'll do is apply multiple coats of primer to the signboard and then draw out the quilt pattern in pencil. And then using painter's tape, like frog tape to mark off color sections, you can begin patterning to painting two or three coats, starting with the lightest color. And that recommendation is made by Lori Hambright, and she is from Dickinson County, and she's the coordinator of the Kansas Flint Hill Quilts Trail. So if you're interested in doing that, go for it. Do you feel like, Bev, that you now have a better idea of what you want to do? Yeah, I think so. And I was actually inspired by a specific barn quilt. And it's one of the reasons why I've started really looking into it again, even though it's been so long. And that's the barn quilt that's featured on the TV show Making It. That's on NBC. I don't know if you've ever seen that Mm -mm. show, but they just finished their second season. And fun fact, if you've been a listener for a long time, you already know this because I, I talked about it in one of the episodes, but I don't remember which one. We actually know one of the contestants from season one. So that was how we had heard about the show. But it's a really cool TV show with like Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. And they have people come together in this barn that they've built in L.A. And they do really cool projects where they make things. And they have a barn quilt on their barn. And I love it because it kind of looks like a sunrise but of rainbows i can't think of another way to describe it yeah and i tried to find a picture of it so that i could like put it in the show notes and share it but i can't so if anybody wants to see it you'll just have to find an episode of making it and watch it because it does show up a couple of times in the episode because they go to the barn and they show like a shot of it but i need to like figure out how to get a screenshot of that because i want to use that as my inspiration i don't want to copy it But I really like how they use so many like bright colors and I like the visualization of like the sunrise type of thing. Just, you know, there's something really refreshing and new about a sunrise. So, yeah. But what about you? Do you think you'll design a barn quilt now that you know what they are? Uh, No, I will not. (laughs) I like how my barn looks itself. Um, I don't really want to add anything to it. 
Maybe I would just have to look at more at pictures that weren't like pastel to feel differently. Um, because that's like a lot of what I saw. It was a little too frou-frou for me. I'm sure there's yeah. some really cool ones out there, but like, I just know myself and I'm not motivated to do that and spend money on it right now. So I might feel different in a few years or if I find a design someday that I would just like really love. But I think the concept's really cool and the story is really cool, but it's just not something I'm personally going to do. Yeah, I could totally see that. Plus, it's from Ohio. It's not your thing. Yeah, ew, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but it's in 48 other states in Canada, so I can't really say ew, Ohio. (laughs) Right. I wonder what the two states are that are missing it. Is it Alaska and Hawaii? Probably. Or is it Michigan (laughs) and Hawaii? I, it's probably Michigan because they just shit on everything Ohio does. Right. I'm kidding. <laughs> <Kinda>. <laughs> well, if anybody has a barn quilt design, you know, that like they have for their uh, barn or their farm, I would love to see them. And I'm sure Sam would love to see them yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I want to see them. I just don't want to do it. It sounds like too much work. It is. It does. It does kind of sound like a lot of work. Uh Share them with us in our Facebook group because that's where we can see them. And I'm sure that some people have come up with like family crest style, you know, barn quilts. So I'm really looking forward to checking those out. So now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Heck yeah. So Sam, what can't you even about this week? So I found an article that points to a new bit of research that I figured we could all like really just, you know, absorb and appreciate. Mm. And that is that the beer goggles effect do exist based on this recent study. (laughs) So wait, somebody actually studied that? Yeah, it's actually been studied at least twice now, believe it or not. You know, so... I was not a part of this study. Nobody asked me. (laughs) But I feel like I can concur because this happened to me with a German guy at a bar that I thought was really hot. (laughs) It turns out, I think I was just into his accent because he really wasn't all that good looking. But anyways. (laughs) You were just like, I'll just close my eyes. You talk. (laughs) You Yeah. I close my eyes. You talk. We're happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So... (laughs) I'll kind of breeze through this article a little bit. And okay, so their overall finding is that drunk people are equally diverted by unattractive and attractive people, adding evidence that suggests beer goggles effect really do exist. The term beer goggles refers to finding people more attracted after you've had a few beers. For this study published in the journal Psychology of Addictive Behaviors, the research team carried out a computer-based study in bars and pubs local to the University Ormskirk campus by asking participants to respond to stimuli while ignoring photos of attractive and unattractive faces. Most people have heard of beer goggles effect and our research adds to the body of evidence showing that there is some truth to the antidotal wisdom, says study researcher Derek Heim, professor of Edge Hill University in the UK. It's remarkable that in our study, participants were only mildly intoxicated, suggesting that it doesn't take much alcohol at all for people to put on their beer goggles. 
<laughs> According to the researchers, previous research in the into the beer goggles phenomenon yielded inconsistent findings and has been largely limited to asking people directly about how attractive they find others. By using an indirect measure of attention, our research was able to overcome some of the limitations, said study researcher Rebecca Monk. We found that attractive faces can pull attention away from the task at hand, but our research suggests that alcohol has the capacity to lessen this effect to level the playing field. More than 120 participants, both sober and intoxicated, were required to determine and indicate the orientation of the letter T on a computer screen while being presented with images of attractive and unattractive people. The findings of the study showed that while sober participants were distracted more by attractive faces, the attention of those who were intoxicated was diverted equally by both attractive and unattractive faces. Hmm. Hence, leveling that playing field. That is super interesting. Yes. So, nobody is safe when they drink. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. I I feel like it's kind of, (laughs) it's kind of makes sense now that I think of it, because I almost wonder if you're more, your brain kind of slows down to the point where you can't make that snap reaction. Like you're, you know, kind of going through timbers, lightning like left and right, you know, yep, nope, yep, nope. But when you've been drinking and it kind of slows down your reaction time, you have to slow down and assess everything a little bit more. Oh, and maybe the even more you've you've drank, and the more accent there is, <laughs> the less <laughs> that the face actually matters. <laughs> well, and also, well, maybe it's like you said, like you get the opportunity to slow down, mm-hmm. so then you might not be paying attention to like the actual physical characteristics of somebody, and more paying attention to other things like how their voice makes you feel whether it has an accent or not you know what i mean right or that they're paying the type of words they're saying. to you yeah their body language like mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to soak that in instead so i don't know i think that's super cool research i don't know yeah. maybe a good reminder to all of us to slow down a little bit yeah probably not drink more but slow down a little <laughs> bit that's that's the moral of the story right <laughs> yeah be careful about the decisions you make after you've had a few yeah <laughs> So what's your can't even this week? So I totally cheated and pulled mine from the dodo again (laughs) because I was in a rush. But I actually found a super cute story and it's like it's their featured story right now. I don't know if they'll have another one to replace it, but I did manage to pull the link like to the specific one just in case it's not the featured one anymore. But Bones and Ferdinand are two baby bottle bull calves that were driven 18 hours in the back of this dude's SUV to be taken to their new home. And I saw it and I just thought it was really adorable because the guy had like filled the whole back of his SUV with straw and had to stop every, you know, few hours to bottle feed these little bull calves at gas stations. And I just thought it was super cute. But then, you know, of course... 
while I'm watching it, you know, they're talking more and they're talking more about their reasonings for why he's doing it. And so he, like, quote unquote, saved these bottle bull calves from a dairy because, you know, bull calves don't have a whole lot of use at a dairy. Mm -hmm. So they become either veal or meat, which I personally don't have any issue with. That's part of the way that our food system works. Mm Um, but I thought it was really cool that there was somebody out there that was willing to take, you know, a handful of these bull bottle calves and find them actual homes for people who want to have pet cows. Because like as somebody who has a pet cow and a lot of people think that that's really strange, (laughs) I, I think it's really cool because cows actually do have a lot of really neat personality. And when you get to have one as a pet, you get to kind of see that. I mean, I still eat cheeseburgers. One of my friends keeps asking me how I can still eat cheeseburgers and look Percy in the face. But I don't know. I still like the way that they taste. So <laughs> compartmentalizing. That's how. Exactly. So I just I saw the video and I thought it was super cute. And now this little boy has these pet bull calves Aww. and they're Ferdinand and Bones, which was just like the cutest names ever. And I mean, I hope that they're going to castrate them since they're going to be pets. I'm yeah. assuming so. Yeah. Because uh, you would never want to keep a bull like no. as a pet. <laughs> no. Not a good pet. Not a good idea. But a steer makes an excellent pet. And they were uh, like full on like dairy cows. They're going to be huge cows like my pet cow is 300 pounds these are going to be like i don't know 1200 pound pets so they'll be big they'll be bigger than percy (laughs) for sure percy's gonna look like a little ant next to them so (laughs) so that's my can't even this week and if you have something you can't even about you can submit that in our facebook group or send it to us via facebook messenger instagram or email uh, you can email them to drinkandfarm at gmail.com. We like to collect those and then read a couple of them on our mini-sodes. Um, be sure and leave us a review because we'll read our favorite Apple Podcast review of the week on the episode. And we take all the reviews that we read during the month. We put them into a random generator of some kind, like a virtual hat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one person gets to win a mug that is not and will never be in our shop. And this week's review is from Leave It To Me. And they write, Keep my keeping my farm dreams alive. This is the perfect podcast. I am in the very early phases of building my mini farm dreams in the suburbs and trying to learn more life skills has been pretty intimidating. I have read books and blogs and asked questions at the feed store, but nothing has made this big, sometimes scary adventure seem more tangible and achievable than Sam and Bev. They are so honest about the work that goes into the farm dream, while also being so gracious to themselves and others. And having lots of fun and making me laugh. The variety of topics they cover makes each episode interesting on its own, and I always look forward to follow-ups because so many cliffhangers. They give me hope that my farm dreams can come true, too. Thanks, Sam and Bev, for putting in all of this work and lifting us all up. Aw, that's so, so nice. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I try not to play favorites with reviews, but that one just like really totally warmed my heart. We should because she's it. right. <laughs> like it is a lot of work to yeah. to put this podcast together, and I know that I'm really bad at downplaying it. 
because that's just my natural yeah, tendency. Yeah, but... and you do like heavy lifting of the editing when Sam has to burp a lot or accidentally like <laughs> drops the f bomb or something, <laughs> or there's like an obnoxious car driving by or your driveway alarm goes off. Like that stuff's hard to catch, and having to listen to it a couple of times is equally tough too because it's a lot of mental energy. <laughs> but it's fun and reviews like that make the hard work really worth it Yes, because it means that we're making a positive impact on people which is the whole point yeah that was kind of the goal yeah for sure it's not all just about drinking the beer while we talk about the things (laughs) i mean i enjoy that it helps not gonna lie (laughs) so thanks so much for leaving us that review we really appreciate it and if you haven't left us a review yet please leave one because you have no idea how much it really does help the podcast and I don't know help our enthusiasm yeah I'm looking for it motivates us yeah it keeps us motivated to keep going maybe even to put out more content for you guys because we like feedback Mm -hmm. especially when it's nice (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean we'll take your negative feedback too because we learn and grow from it but yeah just don't be a dick about it please (laughs) fair enough (laughs) So a few housekeeping items. Um, Coop Camp 2020 is in Danville, Indiana, which is right outside of Indianapolis. And that will be June 5th through 7th. Essentially, it's like chicken people convention conference thing. Um, It's a lot of fun and we're going to be there. So you should be too. Yes. And be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen because this helps more people like you find us. And do us a favor and share this episode over on Instagram in your stories by taking a screenshot and posting it and tagging Drink and Farm. We will send you a promo code just for that episode that will give you a percentage off in our shop. And you want this. And if it's Friday or Saturday and you're listening to this, you want it now because our Goatee in a Goatway February shirt is going to be gone soon. So why not snag it and get a discount while you do so? Yep. And that's a really cute design. It's one of my favorites. I mean, we've only had two monthly designs so far, so I guess they're both my favorites, but (laughs) (laughs) they're both really good. They are. And if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel yet, be sure and do that because our more recent episodes have some videos attached with the podcast audio. So they're a lot of fun. And make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to the articles we discussed and a survey to tell us how we're doing along with our social media goodness and our merch shop. So that's it, guys. Thanks for listening to our fun chat about barn quilts. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. Let us know if you're going to be a Bev about it or a Sam about it, if you're going to do it or if you're not going to. (laughs) I like that. If you're going to be a Bev or a Sam about it. And because we're interested, we want to know. And if you do have one, like Bev said, send it to us. We want to see it. Yes, for sure. And until next time, drink, farm, and and give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.